we've been doing a series called The Flourishing Life. <laughs> and uh, today, I want to begin with something, uh, stating something that is pretty interesting, which is that Jesus offers a life that's counterintuitive. He offers a life that challenges almost every single one of our natural instincts. And what we see from the teachings of Jesus uh, is that he invites his followers into an upside-down life. It's just backwards, upside-down, if you will. So when Jesus steps on the scene, the story of Jesus, when he steps on the scene 2,000 years ago, he found people were very much stuck in situations that are similar to ours. There's, the world was very much like ours is today. There was a world full of division. Uh, Jesus uh, was uh, brought up in Palestine, and at that time, the Roman Empire had taken over and was occupying that part of Israel. So he operated in the Jewish territories where there was oppressive Roman rule. There were ethnic tensions between Jews and Samaritans. They hated each other. And there were even lots of factions among the Jewish people. Uh, some people thought it was best to assimilate with the Romans. Other people thought it was important to take up arms and to fight against the Romans. Okay? And so what happens is, is that Jesus starts gathering disciples and he starts performing miracles. Now, if anyone performs miracles, it draws people's attention. People really start to pay attention. Wow, that person was sick. Now they're not sick. That person had a broken leg. Now they don't have a broken leg. That person was dead. Now they're alive. Jesus raised them from the dead. That's going to get people's attention, okay? And I trust me, if you go out and perform some miracles this week, you're going to get some attention, okay? That gathers a lot of attention. So in a very short amount of time, a crowd begins to form around Jesus. Why? Because he's doing stuff they've never seen before. And they begin to follow him from place to place. And really, as they're following him, they're watching him, there's, so, there's sort of this mystique, this mysteriousness about him, and they want to know what he's all about. And basically, what they want to hear from him, they need him to say the words, are you the Messiah? Are you the one that was promised by God who will come and free us from the Roman rule? Are you the promised deliverer? And so there's this pressure mounting on Jesus to let them know what he's all about. Jesus, we want to know what your kingdom's about. We want to know what your administration's policies will be. We need a State of the Union address. We need to know what you're all about. And so what Jesus does is he tells them what his kingdom is like. And he uh, opens his largest public speech that we have record of, his largest public speech, uh, he opens it, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, but he opens it with these things called the Beatitudes, the verses that Juliana just read for us. And they were so counterintuitive because they blew people's minds. And so his disciples are gathered on a hillside just north of the Sea of Galilee, and the faces that are here to, are there to hear him speak. They aren't the rich and the powerful, they aren't the influential. They're not the gathering of the top 30 under 30 from Forbes magazine. And nor are they people that probably would have graced the pages of People magazine's most beautiful people. These are ordinary people like you and me. I mean, you're a very beautiful crowd, but like they're ordinary people like you and me. 
They're just trying to get by. They're trying to figure out life. They have struggles. And so you imagine. So here's what I want you to do. Imagine you and I are on the hillside. We're leaning in to hear what Jesus has to say. And what I want to do right now is run through these Beatitudes. And I want to do is compare and contrast what our culture might say and what Jesus said. Because there's typical statements that our culture would make about certain things. And I want to compare them over and against the statements that Jesus made. And I want, to see, I want you to play a little game with me. See if you can see the difference. Okay? So we might say, Blessed are those with the most followers, for they will have great influence on social media. But Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says that when you feel like a nobody, when you're lacking spiritually, when you're lacking, when you're deficient, when you feel like everyone else has more money, more things, more opportunities, more influence, more talents, more of everything, Jesus says, you're blessed. We might say, blessed are the thick-skinned, for they don't show weakness. But Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus is saying that blessing is upon those who have been crushed by rejection. Some of you who have, those of you who have lost careers or businesses or someone you love, you are blessed. We might say, blessed are those who take charge, people who know what they want and will stop at nothing until they get it. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus is saying it's the ones who actually hold back, who may be intimidated or unassertive. They're the ones who are blessed. When others step forward and speak up, you tend to shrink back or beat yourself up for not doing what you thought you should do back in the moment. Jesus says, you're still blessed. We might say, blessed are those who fly first class to luxury vacation spots on tropical islands where they lay around all day on lounge chairs, on beautiful white Instagram-ready, no-filter-needed beaches, holding one of those drinks that have a little multicolored umbrellas in it. They shall be satisfied. But what does Jesus say? Different. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He's saying that people who carry around the burden in their soul for the wrongs of the world that need to be made right, whether it's the messiness of sin in your own life or the injustices that we see taking place in our cities, Jesus says, you're blessed. We might say, blessed are those who demand much, for they get results. But Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. If you feel looked down upon or you're labeled as weak by those who seem to know how to TCB, taking care of business, you're blessed. We might say, Blessed are those who seem to be floating through life, those who have a golden retriever bounding along, playing with the kids in the park, for they shall be the envy of families everywhere. But Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus calls you blessed. We might say, Blessed are the instigators, because they make people notice them. But Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You often find yourself in the middle, getting, 
And people on both sides are getting frustrated with you for not taking their particular point of view. And it rips you up inside because you're trying to not just be a peacekeeper, you're trying to be a peacemaker. You're trying to restore relationship. And it makes you feel alone. Blessed are you. We might say, blessed are those who respond quickly to their critics, for theirs is the satisfaction of owning someone in an argument. But Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying here, maybe you've been insulted or lied about because you've been labeled as one of these Jesus people. And sure, the rejection hurts, but Jesus calls you blessed. You're blessed. In the Beatitudes, Jesus describes blessing for those who were generally overlooked, undervalued, and marginalized. This is counterintuitive. This is upside down. And when Jesus said these things, people, the back of people's heads blew right off. They had never heard anything like this before. And many times, I think, people misunderstand this upside-down kingdom, what Jesus was getting at. Sometimes people in our day and age will misread these verses, okay? Uh, the verses known as the Beatitudes. And they, they think it's a list of virtues that we need to live up to, that we need to aspire to if we want to be blessed. Listen, if you want to be blessed, you want to have the flourishing life, you want to make sure you do these 10 things, and you will be blessed, okay? That's not, that's not necessarily what Jesus is saying here. But if, uh, if you pursue these things, this is this is good for you. I don't want to take that away from you. You should try to do those things, right? But that's not the heart of what Jesus is getting at here. The heart of what Jesus is getting at here is the Beatitudes are not statements telling us what to do. They are observations of what is. When Jesus pronounced these blessings, he wasn't giving necessarily instructions on how to live. He was looking into the faces of real people who were sitting there and listening to him and on that hill. He was looking into the eyes of the poor man who's always felt overlooked. He's looking into the eyes of the single mom who's mourning the loss of her situation. He's looking at the meek student who's just struggling to get by, who always feels like he's getting walked on. He saw the frustrated revolutionary who feels like nobody cares about the cause, the struggling business owner whose merciful heart keeps getting in the way of the bottom line. You see, Jesus calls this ordinary group of people blessed, not because of the things they could do and not because of the things they could achieve or because of titles or because of what they own or, or who they were, who their family name was. The reason he called them blessed is because he is telling them that he is the source of all blessing. He was the true source of blessing sitting right in front of them. Basically, he's saying, I'm the gatekeeper of the flourishing life. I decide who can have it. And you've been told by society that you don't deserve it, that it's for other people, that it's for better people. And I'm here to tell you that it is here for you, that you have access to my kingdom. You are included. And what Jesus is doing here is he's raising the horizon of possibility of how big and expansive his kingdom is and how inclusive it can be. You are welcome in the kingdom. 
And Jesus says to this weary group of people, wherever you find yourself, whatever you're going through, you are blessed because I am with you. Because my kingdom is open to you. And I give it to you freely. You don't have to earn it. Jesus has the disciples imagine a different world, a different identity for themselves, a different set of practices, a different uh, you know, status quo. And Jesus is saying, I'm here, you can know me, and I can introduce you into a whole new way of living. Not just for the elite, not just for the people who have it all together, but for blessing is for those who haven't figured it out, who don't have it together. It is life in my kingdom that's available to you right now. You see, for you and for me, the flourishing life is within reach. The guide to the flourishing life is Jesus, and it's sustained through Jesus. So how do we apply this? How do we do this? You need to welcome a new way of thinking. So do I. The old way of thinking. The old way of thinking is that we need to earn everything. Sometimes I go to the gym. And sometimes I go to this gym called Base Camp. Ever hear of Base Camp? It's like corporate CrossFit with less injuries. And uh, they sell these shirts, which I'll never buy. Um, and the shirt says, earned, never given. Right? Because you're going to earn those muscles. <laughs> I wasn't given these muscles, you could say, in the Titan t-shirt. When you, you often have socials where you can go eat pizza. <laughs> you can wear that shirt. Earned. Anyway. <laughs> earned, not given. And that earned, not given, the reason they thought that was a good idea to put on a shirt is because that is the general sentiment of our culture. Like, even when we get free things, we like to pretend like we earned it. Right? Um, and what is that? What is that? Well, there's something, I, I mean, if you look at the founding, if, if, if you look at, you know, John Locke and Thomas Jefferson and how they formed the country, there's this idea of rugged individualism, the individual uh, earning what you, uh, earning what you do, uh, based on what you do, something we would call a meritocracy, which means that our culture believes in the value of earning things, not just freely given. And so the, the issue often for this collision between Americans and Christians is that we sometimes approach Jesus with the embedded cultural value of earning it, going for it. Look what I did. I became the best Christian of all time. You know, you feel like you have to earn it. And you're not allowed when you're a Christian to do that. That's not the way it was set up, which really results in a way of thinking about how we pay attention to this, how we welcome the kingdom into our lives. This isn't the best illustration, but um, I'm going to give it anyway. Um, how many of you have ever been on a cruise ship? Nice. Nice. Nicole, have you been on a cruise ship? Okay, cool. There's three of us. <laughs> okay, so I've been on a cruise ship, uh, and there's a couple ways to be on a cruise ship. There's a bad way and there's a good way. The bad way to be on a cruise ship is to get on the cruise ship. It's like all these decks, you know, there's like some slides. There's a pizza bar. 
There's all these things. Endless fun. There's like shows underneath in the bowels of the ship and stuff like that. You can get on the ship. The bad way to get on the ship is to get on the ship and instantly get anxious. You go run to the front of the boat, making sure the boat is going to go where it needs to go. And you keep looking up at the captain. You're like, is it going to get there? Is it going to get there? And you never have any fun. And all you do is you panic on the boat. You're like, oh my gosh. You stress out the whole time. Or another way to be on a cruise ship is to go on the boat, check into your room, go up to the Lido deck, grab a drink with one of those little umbrellas in it, hang out, enjoy your time, and welcome what the cruise is. And I think about that as like there's different, there's a way to be a follower of Jesus. And one is like trying to earn it, trying to be anxious, trying to get all the things, uh, trying to make it happen for yourself. But then there's this other way of maybe we just need to relax and welcome what Jesus has for us and welcome the kingdom and what it can be for us. And what I think is, is that you cannot earn anything from God. He gives it to you freely. He gives you his son freely. He also wants to give you the flourishing life freely. The things that you believe God has for you or the things that you want in life, there's certain desires that you have. You can try to earn those or you can align yourself with God and welcome him in and allow him to be the source and the guide of the flourishing life. And I got to tell you, that second way is a much better way to think about your life with God. And it's a much better way to think about the flourishing life. First and foremost, allow God to give you freely what he wants to give you. And what I believe is, is that this is an invitation for God's spirit to renew you, to renew your mind and to welcome different parts of the kingdom into your life, the flourishing life. So we often say that at Pax City that uh, we're here to help people find their way back to God. Finding your way back to God means that God desires to bless your life. There's blessing for you in your life. And even though you haven't done anything in particular to earn that blessing, he still offers it for you. And Jesus says that it's not the ones we typically think are blessed who can be blessed. That you can be blessed, that I can be blessed. And there's nothing that we could do or say that would qualify us more or less from receiving that blessing. The thing we do is we have to receive it. Jesus says it's the poor in spirit. It's those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And Jesus says it's the merciful, the pure in heart, the ones who are solely fixed on me. And he says it's peacemakers even. These are the blessed ones. These are the ones that experience the flourishing life. So what I'm inviting you to do in 2024 is as you come before God or as you come to life, Welcome the flourishing life as Jesus wants to give it to you. That Jesus wants to bring something to you today. Does this make sense? Um, why don't we all stand? Let's close our time together.